you're joining us, if, the, if you're a guest here, you're joining us. We've been in this series called Seasons, about finding purpose in every season of life. And the big challenge has been to ask yourself the question, what season are you in? And then name it. Name the season you're in and navigate the season you're in. Now, we're not just talking about weather, but navigating the season you're in with weather does have implica- implications, especially the fall or the summer to fall, fall to winter kind of thing, because what happens in many families is a battle over the thermostat. Like, when do you turn the heater on? But let's be honest. Those are deeply seated and have deep roots that go into the summer as well. Because there are people in the family that like it to have it be at a temperature where you can hang meat and you wake to a thin layer of frost across the bed sheets and the covers when you wake up. And then there are family members that are just wrong and don't like it that way. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what science says. Science says you should sleep between 63 to 68 degrees. And what I did is I went looking for an answer to that question of how cold should it be when you sleep to get the best sleep possible. And as soon as I found the answer I was looking for, I stopped looking. Because that's what we do, right? If we're looking for an answer to something... We look till we find the answer we're looking for, and then we stop. Well, you can stop looking. As cold temperatures are good for sleep, good for character, God approves. So the pastor said it. I don't think it'll make a bit of difference, but anyway. uh, We're not talking about seasons like with temperature and seasons with fall and winter and summer. We're talking about seasons of life, seasons of faith, and you're always in a season. The thing is, your season will always be changing. But every season you're in has unique opportunities, but also has unique challenges. So when you know the season you're in, you're less surprised by the challenges or the changes when they show up. Solomon, the wisest man, is told in the Bible, he's the wisest man that ever lived. He was looking back on his life and reflecting, and he realized life works with seasons. This has been a focal passage for us in this series. He says this, For everything... There's a season. Whatever you're going through right now, it's a season. A time for every activity under heaven. And then he gives this list of seasons. Time to be born, a time to die. Time to plant, a time to harvest. A time to kill, a time to heal. A time to tear down, a time to build up. Time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve, a time to dance. And he goes on the list. And the thing is, there are all these different seasons. But what he doesn't talk about in this is a season of change. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But the reality is, is every single one of these is a season of change. Because going from one to the other, something is changing. Life is all about changes. Do we like change? Usually no. Especially if we're in a good season that we really like. We don't like when all of a sudden the leaves start to fall and we really like summer. We like life a certain way, and when it starts to change, we panic. But even some of the good stuff that comes about and changes in our life, sometimes we resist that. A lot of times we resist change, but life is all about change, and everything that Solomon lists there has some kind of change aspect to it. Life is all about change. We all experience change, and we don't necessarily like it, but we need to understand that changing of seasons serves a purpose. But it's also a time in the change of one season to the next that there's a lot of questions. Uh, In weather, there's a lot of storms in changing seasons. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of challenge. But in the end, God's agenda for you with his purpose is to make something 
right, to bring about his purposes. And Solomon comes to this conclusion in verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. There is something beautiful at the end of God's work that he's doing in your life. But there are some changing seasons that will be between, between here and there. This week I read a, heard about a book called um, Managing Transition by William Bridges. And he speaks to this idea of seasons of change. That's what I want to talk about today. Not necessarily the ones that go from bad to good. We like that season. But especially if you're in a season where something was good and it's gone. Someone was there and now they're not. Life was comfortable and now it's very uncomfortable. Whatever that is, those kind of transitions, those seasons of change is what I want to talk to. I want to speak into that a little bit. And he he talks about it, uh, William um, Bridges does, in terms of organizations and businesses. But as I was reading the summary of this book, I was like, but this is life. And what he did is he said this, if you got 15, 20, 30 people together, all together and said, hey, what's something that's changing, a season of change in your life? You identified it. He said, if you ask them to talk about it, they would come up with three common phases of every season that changes from one to the next. There's an ending of one season, which goes to this middle frame, which is a period of confusion, distress, and then there's a new beginning. That's, he said every change goes through that. And each one of those phases has unique opportunities and endings. Uh, that first phase, there's a letting go of the old ways, which is hard for us to do. We're creatures of habit. We like the known. We like the familiar. And then when things start to change, there's an ending. Usually, and a lot of times, endings mean a loss of something and it needs to be grieved. It for sure needs to be named because there's a reality that's going away. Something is changing. Then you kind of go into this neutral zone. You're going through this season of change, and between the ending and the new beginning, there's this in-between time where the old is going away, but the new fully isn't operational yet. He calls it the neutral zone, and it's when kind of critical psychological uh, repatterns and realignments are happening. Different emotional things are happening. Changes are happening. And we're readjusting to a new normal, even though it's not quite there yet. This is where some of the biggest challenges in seasons come is between, in the changes from one to the next. Things are lost in transition. That's why when you go from one grade to the next, be very careful. From one school level to the next, elementary to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college, college to what's next. In fact, I think the transition from college to what's next is one of the most challenging because there's always a new parent orientation for freshmen. They don't have that for seniors. Sometimes the biggest transition for college students to the real world isn't for the college student, but for the parents. Transitions, things are lost in transition. When you're moving from one place to the next, things get lost in the move. Just transitions are challenging, but they're full of opportunity. Then you have these new beginnings. And you come out of this transition time and there's a new reality. It starts to develop. New relationships start to develop. New experiences, new energy, a new sense of purpose. But getting from that ending to that new beginning is challenging. And I want to talk about some things that might help us navigate seasons of transition, seasons of change. Now, I'll I'll make this statement that I would just like to apply for everything I've said in this series. Most everything I've passed on in this series is stuff that does one of, one of two things. One, I, I heard it from somebody else. 
At some point, I, some of them I couldn't even tell you who, but stuff that helped me along the way. But secondly, I do a much better job of knowing things, these, these things than applying these things. I struggle in the application. And I'm probably not alone in that. But knowing, as G.I. Joe said, is half the battle, but there's still a battle to be fought. Shout out to my 80s friends who, like, who watch G.I. Joe. These have helped me, but just because you know it doesn't mean you're going to get it right. But know that these are some things that are going on. The first thing that helped me is this. Change should be managed, but not manipulated. When you're going through a season of change and you see a new reality coming, it should be managed, but not manipulated. There's a fine line between management of a situation, management of a person, versus manipulation. I can't always tell for sure when I'm managing, but I can usually tell when I'm being manipulated. There's a fine line between that. Mark Porter had this insight. He said, one way to tell if you're managing or manipulating uh, your situation, managing is what I do with God's plan for my life. Manipulating is what I do when I'm leaning into my plan for my life. Here's a question that you could ask. Do you trust yourself with God's future and his plan for you? Do you trust him with that? And the way that can often show up is not just are you living it out, but are you trusting his timing? Do you trust God's future and plan for you, including his timing? Because waiting is where it gets hard for us. It's the transition, not when we're in the ending or the beginning, but in that middle frame where we panic and we try to manipulate a new reality when it's not fully ready. If a farmer tries to manipulate the crops and they're not ready, it's not going to be a good crop season. Be careful about manipulating what God is doing because sometimes for whatever reason, it is the process that brings about the best fruit. Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes 7, accept the way God does things. That's hard for us to do. For who can straighten out what he has made crooked? Enjoys prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. Then he adds this, remember that nothing is certain in this life. Whatever your reality, whatever the season is, God has a purpose in this season. And our, our job is to trust that. In Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, we read this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, all that you are. Lean not on your own understanding. And when we're going through a season of change, we typically lean on our own understanding and we start manipulating the path and manipulating the season, sometimes manipulating others. But trust means to, mean, means to say, I will trust God's timing of his plan, not just the specifics of his plan. And when we don't know the specifics, we start to write him in ourselves. Trusting God with all your heart, leaning not on your own understanding, in all your ways, and this is a hard word for us, submit to him. And his promise is he will make your paths straight. Here's where we get lost in that journey. When he's taking us from one season through the in-between time to the next season, it's not always a straight line from our perspective. And when we feel like it's going off the course that we anticipated, we panic. We do the thing that our, our navigation unit does when, it's, when we're going from point A to point B and we make a wrong turn, and it says recalculating. When God is leading you from point A to point B, trust him and his next step, and always focus in on your next step, and trust him in that process, and trust his timing. Don't recalculate. 
He's promised to make your path straight. And in that path, and in that kind of reality of leaning into him and all he has for you, your identity being found in him, and the specifics of his plan and the timing of his plan, and he's not going to withhold what you need to know. But everything doing what you know to do and trusting him in that process, that is the best reality. That's the best story for your life that could possibly be written. Even the bad stuff, even the stuff that feels off course, he says, I can use this, and I'm writing something, I'm planning something in this season that will take time, but when it sprouts, when it grows, it'll be, bring great fruit. Remember that whatever season you're in, there is purpose in every process and a reason for every season under the sun. And as you're going through that volatile time, one of the challenges I just want to warn you about is this. Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary conditions. Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary conditions. How you feel today is not how you're going to feel forever. But sometimes we make decisions that we have to live with for a long time. And if we react to the moment, the reality of that moment can change in time. And the longer we wait, the more antsy we get. Seasons change. Feelings change. Life is a constant gathering of different changes. But God does some of his best work in transitions. But we are also at our most vulnerable in seasons of transition and change. Another passage we've been looking at a lot in this series is Galatians 6 where he talks about a man reaps what he sows. It's the law of the farm. What you plant will grow. And Paul encourages us this way. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. Well, what is good? Good is whatever God says that his plan is for you. Whatever he brings into your, into your path and, and, and whatever path he sends you on, whatever plans he has for you, there is good in that. Stick to that because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Every time you do God's good plan, God's good thing in your life, every time you do that, you're planting something that he promises will grow at the proper time. Well, when is the proper time? He doesn't tell us. But that season of waiting sometimes the long seasons of waiting. When you lean not on your own understanding, but you lean on his timing, could be some of your greatest acts of worship. Some of your greatest acts of worship are trusting him when the future is unclear and the reality is uncertain and the timing seems to be taking too long. And he says, in that moment, when you're tempted to veer off course or manipulate a change, Lean back into him and trust him. And in that season, here's what should have got our focus. Focus on your faith and not on your frustrations. What you focus on will do one of two things. What you focus on is basically stuff you're planting in your mind that will grow. And what you focus on determines your direction in life. What you think about what you trust in, what you believe in, is stuff you are planning in your life and it will grow something. But when you focus on your faith rather than your frustrations, what you're focusing on of what you know to be true based on who God is, what he's promised to do, and what he's done in the past, 
As a matter of fact, what he's done in the past in your life is so important that you constantly reflect and remember those things because when God doesn't seem to be working, you need to remember what has he promised to do and what has he already done in your life. That's why journaling or keeping track of the ways God's answered prayers or promises that he showed up and kept in your life is so important. We read that it was important for the Israelites after 40 years of wandering in the desert, they were about to get to this promised destination, this promised land. And as they got there, they're given this warning that could be easily given for any of us when we're in the good times in life. We can become very forgetful, so he, pro- he challenges us to remember. Deuteronomy 8 says this, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. They say, think back, 40 years of faithfulness. Remember that. Now, the thing about those 40 years is it was a time of dependence. They didn't know where to go unless he led them day by day by day. They didn't have anything except what he miraculously had provided. So every day was this expression of trust on them that he would show up, he would lead them and provide, and every day he did. For 40 years, he says, remember that. And he did that to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. And here's what forgetting the Lord your God looks like. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. There's something about what it looks like to trust God that he always ties to doing what he says. Moses says it here. Be careful that you always do what he says. Jesus said it when he told his disciples, go make other disciples, teaching them to obey everything I command. Apparently, doing what God says is important. It's important to us because that is the best path forward. That is life, that life as it works best. But here's the good news for us. Entrance into his kingdom, entrance into eternity, Entrance into his family is not tied to how well I keep his commands. That is completely and solely based on what Jesus has done for us at the cross. Giving us his forgiveness, his grace, precisely because none of us have done that. If keeping his commands were the requirement for getting into his family, Jesus would be an only child. Jesus would just be alone. But because of Christ alone, Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, what Christ has done for us. But we tend to spell it D-O. It's what we do. No. But living your life as a child of God, that living out his commands never seems to go away because this is the best plan, best path forward. But aren't you glad that God took a detour through the cross to make it possible for you to experience his faith in him, through faith in him, a life and life abundantly? But do you want to know what trust looks like, trusting God, trusting his plan? It's not just tied to what your next job is, what your your relationships are going to be, what your financial situation is. It's not not those details, but it's the things that he said, this is how you follow me step by step as a follower, as a disciple, as a child of God. That's where trust shows up. I do what God says. And he says, be careful that you don't forget it. And then he gives him this warning says this. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, this is speaking to us when we're in the good seasons of life. 
When you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Sometimes when we're in a good season of life, it's not our most, faith, most faithful season. It's more about self-reliance than it is dependence on God. If you are satisfied and have abundance and things are going well, be careful that you don't stop leaning on him fully and trusting him with all your heart and all that you have. Isn't it interesting that he says, not, he doesn't say that you may forget that you may become proud. He says that you will become proud and you will forget the Lord. He goes, that's just what happens when we have abundance, when things are good. Our need for God doesn't seem as much of a priority. Beware of that. Sometimes God does some of his best work, not with the blessings he gives, but some of the burdens he allows. Psalm 33, 11, it says this, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken from it. God does this so men will revere him, trust, worship, put him first. Everything in your life is designed to have you lean into him because that is where your best life is always found. And it's his purpose that prevails. We've said this, another series verse, Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. He doesn't say they are good, but he works it for good. Who've been called according to his purpose, his plan, the path he wants us to walk. And when you look at what's going on and you focus on your faith, not your frustrations, another expression of that is to be grateful rather than just grumble. We talked about it last week, how being thankful and grateful what it does, it shouldn't draw our attention to what God has given us, but who has given it to us. That every good and perfect gift is from above. That everything we have has, not pa- has passed through many hands before it gets to us, but it always starts from our Creator, from our Savior. And Solomon recognized that, that there's, everything is a gift from God. He says, I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is a gift of God. Whatever you're living, whatever life you're living right now, God has given everything you have as a gift. And when you recognize who it comes from, it reminds you who to depend on. And the Apostle Paul challenges us this way. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, regardless of the season. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And he ties it to being thankful. He says, and be thankful. And whatever you do, it's a very inclusive phrase. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Your gratitude matters not because it shows you how much you have, but who has provided it. And it should lean you into more dependence, more trust, and living out his plan. Last week, if you were here, I, I, I talked about this this principle of that when you're going through seasons of waiting, last two weeks we talked about seasons of waiting. Joseph is a great role model about how he, he, he didn't manipulate God's timing. He was waited, waiting and patient through the process. But as you go through seasons of waiting, last week we talked about this idea of 
Self-care becomes very important. You're created as a, clo- a, a, a open system. You're dependent on things like oxygen and other things in life and really relationships and really dependent on God. Like you need so much, you cannot ever be fully only self-sufficient in and of yourself. And because of that, you're created where, and Wayne Cordero, who's a pastor in Hawaii, I'm a pastor in Lubbock, you know, not bitter about that, but he's a pastor in Hawaii. And he basically said, here's this idea of a bucket. And you got to think about bucket management, that there are things in your life that replenish you. You need sleep. You need things that replenish your health. You need relationships. There are things that are there that are, are, are practical, like hobbies and things that kind of fill your emotional bucket, but there are also things in life that deplete those. And the more you have things that drain it, what Wayne Cordero says, and it's a lesson that I learned from him years ago, but I was very honest this week to say, I'm struggling right now to figure out what fills my bucket. In this season of life, I'm having a hard time figuring that out. But as I kind of taught that last week, I've kind of leaned into that personally. And again, I'm better at teaching it than I am living it sometimes. Um, But Wayne Cordero, the guy who kind of taught that principle to me, that I kind of passed on to you, wasn't original with me. Um, I started thinking about all the ways that he's had an influence on this church and maybe some of you that you don't even know about. Uh, When I was first um, offered and accepted the job to be the senior pastor here, I realized in a very panicked way, I know nothing about being a senior pastor. Shows up sometimes, doesn't it? And, And I realized early on, I need to figure that out. I've never really wrapped my head around the uniquenesses of that. So I signed up to do a senior pastor practicum, a training with Wayne Cordero in Hawaii. There was one in Tahoka, but I thought, I like the one out. I think God wants me to go to that. There wasn't one in Tahoka, but, but I, he had had such an impact on my faith personally that I wanted to lean into that. So we went out there. I can't remember how long it was, but it was a nice little, like a week or two. I can't remember. It was good. And um, several things that I learned from him in that time and other te- seasons of life, for instance, Live Oak uses these, these soap journals for s- scripture engagement. You can pick one up for free. It's out on the Guest Central, and it's just a thing for journaling and helping you engage Scripture. The soap acrostic we got from Wayne Cordero, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. He calls it doing his devotions. And he's created a culture at his church where it's just, he does everyone, like, you're going to do your devotions every day where you engage Scripture, and God uses it somehow in the process to teach you something. And uh, so I was talking about him this last week and thinking about what an impact he's had on me And then this week, it's amazing how Facebook does this. Wayne Cordero pops up on my Facebook feed. And he shares this video about the season of life he's in. And he's found out that he has cancer. And it's quite serious. And there's this two and a half, three minute video where he talks about how he, through his devotions, when he got that diagnosis, doing his devotions, how God took this random scripture and he highlighted it and said this is you right now and I wanted him in his own words for you to hear it about how he navigated his season of life because for some of you you're in a season of life it may or may not be cancer it may not be cancer but it's something else that you're trying to wrap your head around and going I don't know what to do with this so watch how he navigates this watch this Jesus said to Peter Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? 
That last line really caught my heart by surprise. As you know, recently I was asked to bear quite a grave assignment when I was diagnosed with cancer, and I'm preparing right now for a radical prostatectomy. You see, when I received the news, like any human being would, I, I wrestled with this for several days and nights, very sleepless nights. Questions like, had it metastasized? Will I, will I need surgery, then follow it by radiation or maybe a chemo? Will I survive it all? Will it change my life radically from this point on? So many what-ifs flooded my mind. But then one morning, for my devotions, I read this phrase. Jesus said, Shall I not drink the cup which the Father has given me? Sooner or later, you and me, all of us, will come to the stark confrontation that takes us from the doctrine of our faith to the reality of our faith. Isn't it true? It's always easier to preach the cross than it is to carry it. But sooner or later, in your faith and mine, it's carry time, not talk. The line to receive God's blessings is a long line. People are crowding in to get into the blessings line. We all want those. But the line to receive his sufferings, very short. Even though that line results in greater redemption, maybe a greater depth, but Jesus knew that your redemption and mine would not be possible if he stood only in the bless me now line. You know, I realized that I had to accept the diagnosis and he would see me through. And I came to the realization that I get to drink the cup that the Father has given me. Let me ask you, what cup has he given to you to drink? It's not always going to be sweetened iced tea. But like Jesus, shall I not drink the cup which the Father has given me? When I uh, saw that video, it was very impactful on me for a couple reasons. One, uh, I, I know him and I've, I've met him. I don't know him well. I texted him, he would know who I was. We've met, we've talked. But if he texted me, I would know it. He, he's impacted my faith in this church in ways, like I said, some of you don't even realize how much. But then I just, the other thing, person I thought about is I thought about myself and many of you who I know are in a season right now where you've been given this cup to drink and you're like going, why? Or, or what do I do with this? Those seasons of the in-between time are ripe with opportunity, but also with challenges that are hard to navigate, and you're very vulnerable. I love his line about where the doctrine of our faith becomes the reality of our faith. We can know the right things to do, but living it out is something completely different. I don't know what cup he's given you to drink in this season. But how you navigate it matters. And for whatever reason, Jesus put this cup in front of you. And he says, this is the next step in your path. Don't manipulate the order for something else to drink, a different cup to drink of. 
something else he said. What if Jesus had chosen then in the garden where he was about to go to the cross and Peter said, no, let's fight our way out of this. And Jesus said, am I not supposed to drink the cup the Father has given me? What if he had decided to sit, stand, receive the bless me now line? The reality of that is we would not be blessed. It would be dependent on us keeping his commands perfectly. But because Jesus said, not bless me now, but I'll take the blessing later, so I could bless all of eternity now with the grace that is now made possible because of Jesus and his death on the cross, a substitutionary death where he takes your place on that cross. And the greatest thing you could do in any season of life is make sure that you have put your life smack dab in the center of what Christ has done for you. Your eternity and your life now is not based on what you do what you do, but based on what has been D-O-N-E, done for you because of Jesus. And if you have never, at any point in your life, taken your life and said, here it is, I will trust you with all my heart, here is all of my life. If you've never given God that, it's actually a gift exchange. You give him that gift, but you get a much better gift in return. Because what he says is, I give you everything that I am, everything I've done for you, and I will live my life in you and through you. And you're adopted as a child of God. If you've never done that, I guarantee you, that is your next step on your journey. And to try and do it apart from Jesus is manipulating your story. Do you trust God enough to give him everything? Because he believed he had to give everything to give his life to you. And I don't know what season you're in, but I promise Jesus is drawing you to himself. And it may be dark in this season and you not, do not understand why. I promise you, he tells us the why. It's to bring us to him. And next week we're going to talk about what's true in every season of life, the consistency you can count on regardless of what you name your season or where you're on your journey. We're going to talk about the consistency as we've talked this week about change. But for whatever season you're in, I promise you there is purpose in this season, but Jesus is at the center of that purpose. Let's stand for a closing prayer. What I just ask you to do is, is pray for Wayne. Let's pray. Father, we do pray for Pastor Wayne as he's going through a season of life, and as much as I want to manipulate the results, I like the impact he has on this world and would like it to continue. I like the impact he's had on me. And I'd like it to continue. But Father, the clarity he has that he could let, receive a very scary, uncertain future and with confidence trust you with all his heart and lean not on his own understanding, and in all his ways acknowledging you, I pray you use this situation for your good purposes. But if it is your will, if it's your plan to bring health and healing to his life, I'd like him to be around. But God, we don't understand your timing. We don't understand your plans. But what I do understand is you're always drawing people to yourself. 
Use his situation. Use our situation to draw people to you and start by drawing us to, our, to you individually. God, that you would show us what it looks like to trust you with all our heart and walk the path that you have for us. Give us clearly clarity, direction, and provision for whatever season we're in. And if we're in a good season, Lord, help us not to take you for granted, but to trust you, to be grateful for whatever season we're in, for what you've done for us and where you're leading us. It's in Jesus' name I pray.